Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode four of Maybe Next Year. I'm Corey Foss here with my co-host, Ethan Vober, and tonight we have our we have a special guest uh, from Minnesota, Travis Faust, a good friend of mine that I grew up with uh, in Northfield, Minnesota. Uh, Travis, you want to say hi and intro yourself? Hello, everybody. Yeah, like Corey said, uh, I grew up in Northfield, Minnesota. Um, I was born and raised there. Corey joined the beautiful community from Lakeville or something when he was in middle school or early high school. And uh, he's still probably the best pitcher, not quite the best athlete I've ever played with in terms of sports, but the best pitcher I've ever been involved with. Unreal. So I'm happy to be here tonight. <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the shout out um uh, just a reminder before we get going here where to catch us if you if you haven't already um typically our we'll get uh it'll first come up our show first come up on spotify um usually about a half hour hour after we finish taping here tonight um and then we'll come out uh sporadically then from from there yeah, places like Google Podcasts and and Breaker. Um, so if you go to any of those places and just search, maybe next year it'll pop up right up for you. But uh, like I've said before, Spotify is kind of the best place to do that. So you can catch up with all of our episodes up till up till tonight. Doing that, um, our time frame and our outline for tonight goes as such: uh, we're gonna we're gonna start tonight here talking about the Vikings and their game uh, today with Detroit, and then a little bit about the Packers and the Redskins and any other NFL news, and then we'll break. Um, we'll come back and talk a little bit about the Twins and their uh, offseason moves so far and as they kind of get ready as we head head into the winter meetings that are going to start this week. Um, then a brief uh, segment about the Gophers and, uh, and f- we found out their bowl destination today and, and what that means for them. Um, we'll take a, a quick break after that and then talk uh, briefly about the Timberwolves and, and uh, what their week has been like and what, what they have coming forward. And then we'll finish up as usually as always, with our uh, bold predictions for the week. So, uh, beginning tonight with the Vikings and their their game today, they won 20-7 to seven, uh, against the, the Lions and what probably the average fan would say was a fairly boring game to watch. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I, looking at other Vikings games, at least recently, um, you know, there was a lot more to it than just that, but uh, it, it – Winning twenty to seven, and there wasn't really uh, a point in the game where I think any Vikings fan was particularly worried about the outcome, or or whether or not um, you know Detroit was going to make a big run. They went into late into the fourth quarter up twenty zip, and the question was whether they're going to have a shutout or not. And they didn't. They gave up a late touchdown, and um, that was that. But some of the you know basics to take away, I guess, from the game: uh, the Vikings had five sacks. Daniel Hunter had three. He's now the youngest person ever to hit 50 sacks in his career, which is kind of a cool thing. Tells you a little bit about where he's at and, and how impressive his run has been here at only age 25. Um, Kirk Cousins was pretty unspectacular, I, I think, but also at the same time, you know, he went 24 for 30, 242 with a touchdown. Didn't throw the ball down the field a whole lot. Um, but the fact that that was kind of boring and vanilla to us, and, he, you know, he, he was at a 111 QB, Rating, I think that says a little bit about how far he's come and what we've expected from him now. That, that that's kind of a boring day from him, which is which is I think a positive. Um, Delvin Cook only had 62 yards on the ground, 75 total, and a touchdown, but he didn't need to do anymore. And coming off of his uh, you know injury, whatever it had happened to him in Seattle, it was okay that that was all that he was used. It was nice that that's all that they needed him for. Um, Alexander Madison again. It looked impressive at times. You know, we talked about him a little bit last week. He he had fourteen or he had forty six yards on fourteen carries, but um, 
you know, took a brunt of it when, when Cook didn't need to be in there, which was nice to see. Uh, on the on the Detroit end of things, the quarterback David Blau, everybody remembers him from back when he was at Purdue. I do a little bit. Um, wasn't even on the roster to begin the year, and then was the third string quarterback when they had to go and pick him up. And he's made his all. <laughs> that's how hurt Detroit's been along the way that he's made his way all the way through uh, to the starting lineup. He was 24 for 40 for 205 with a touchdown, two interceptions. He wasn't spectacular either. Um, you know, was forced into doing probably more things than they wanted to him just because they were behind the majority of the game. But, um, you know, it wasn't ugly. It, it wasn't, a, you know, it, he, he did what he he could, I guess. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to knock him for that. Uh, but the lines now fall to 3-9-1. and one. But four of their losses have been by four points or fewer, you know, so I think that they're probably a little bit better than their record is, even though they didn't necessarily look it today. The Vikings now will go forward at 9-4. and four. They're going to head off to the Chargers next week to play in a soccer stadium. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, I think a lot of the Vikings fans probably feel a little bit confident about that, but the Chargers are putting it to – who are they putting it to right now? Uh, Jacksonville, is it? Maybe? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, they're putting it to somebody right now. And and I looked at a, a funny stat that the since Zimmer took over, the Vikings are 1-6 in the mountain and Pacific time zone. And the last win was against Oakland in 2015. So I don't think it's going to be probably as cut and dry as people might think it might be. Um, hopefully it is, but uh, you know, so I guess I'll kind of open up uh, Travis to you first, uh, as you watch the game tonight, what were some of your thoughts? Well, if I was just like an average fan, I probably would have fallen asleep and changed the channel to the other games that were playing in my area. But I, I thought it was a big game. Just this whole, whole serve, with that meeting with the Packers before Christmas Eve. We have to continue to be one game behind them or hope that we get lucky in a team like the Redskins. Uh, they couldn't do it today beat the Packers because, you know, obviously that's going to determine the division. Um, I really I really like what we did on defense. If uh, The last couple of weeks, um, even uh, last week when you had Rhodes throwing a fit on the sideline because of pro coverage, it wasn't necessarily – um, someone's fault, they're just not communicating with each other. And I think sometimes uh, they get to a point where they want to make a play so badly, and yet they don't really realize that if you just do your job, the play will come to you. And it was good. No one had, there wasn't anything glaring that missed on defense. And like you said, we didn't have to use Dalvin Cook all that much, and we stayed healthy. That yeah. was pretty much the beauty thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> As a football fan, would you like to see, you know, I would love to watch Lamar Jackson play every single day if I could. But um, that type of game, this part of the season, I guarantee you Zimmer is so happy with that result and how that all went down. Guaranteed. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a good point. I think he probably is just everybody staying out of harm's way as much as they possibly could, especially, you know, and making it through. I think one thing I didn't mention was, you know, Thielen was out again, and he's, he's such a big part of everything, and I think they, they need him back. You know, you can't have Laquan Treadwell making, you know, two or three of the biggest catches every game. Uh, it's just not going to happen against better teams. So to get him back and healthy is, is is a big thing. And so to have another game, have another week where you got by it okay without him in there, I think was was a good thing. Um, you know, Ethan, you said you were locked out from watching the Packer game today. So what did you think of as you watched the Vikings? I sat down uh, second half and I turned it on right at the kickoff. And um, it, it felt like, to me watching it as a football fan, the Lions weren't out of the game. It was 17 nothing at half. 
three possessions, two touchdowns and a field goal. You, I mean, that's pretty easy in the NFL these days to come back. But sitting down just in the first couple minutes, I, it felt like Detroit never was in the game, even though they were. And, I mean, at the end, it was 20 to nothing. I still felt like Detroit didn't push as hard as they could have to maybe make a comeback effort at all. Oh. And at the same time, there was uh, Harrison got that late pick, which he was um, – Detroit was scrambling around. They were all over the place on offense. And like you said, being down 20 nothing. You have to throw the ball. I know their starting back was out. Um, they're obviously not playing with Stafford. So they were up yeah, against I think the I wall. was playing quarterback for the Lions a couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, couldn't have done any harm. Yeah, um, well, you'd be a little limited, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, Vikings came out. Kirk Cousins, I just seen um, we got NFL game day here. 12 for 12 on play action. I thought they used play action yeah. pretty pretty good today. And Cook wasn't overabused. Um Diggs had a lot of good catches. Hit a couple of nice. Finally, yeah. so I mean, it looked good. It was a good win for Minnesota to stay in the race, especially when Green Bay was in a little bit of a dogfight at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good for Minnesota, bad for Green Bay. Yeah. I, okay. So I guess Travis, what I'd ask you then is, if we had as, as the Vikings head to um, Los Angeles for next week. How do you kind of see that playing out? It's a nightmare. It's a it's a trap game if I've ever seen one for anybody who wants to think that the that record doesn't surprise me. Um, one in six or one in seven that you said. It's just going out west for some reason. It's just like the West Coast teams coming east and playing that noon game where that's 9 a.m. for their body. It's just different. It's weird. And Philip Rivers, as bad as he's looked this year at times, I... I would still take him over a bunch of quarterbacks in this league just because of his, what he's done in the past. So I don't by any means think that we're just going to walk in there and play a mediocre game and come out with a win. There were people in, much smarter than myself who picked the Chargers to be in the Super Bowl because of their defense. And I know that they've been depleted and, you know, having Melvin Gordon not around at the end of the year kind of ruined that. But I think if you could just get a reset charge and start all over, I'll bet I would say the Chargers would be in a lot better spot than they are now. Um, so, in order to go out there, I think you know I think Kirk, Kirk Cousins is obviously going to have to have a big game. Um, I would sit feeling one more. Um, I was so angry when he tried to um, rush it back. Anybody who's played knows that. That's just a, it's an injury that, yeah, you can sit off for three weeks and all of a sudden, no, you're great. You think you're ready to go. Yeah, you tweak it, all that for nothing. You have to start all over. Um, it's, and you've seen what's happened, like you said, LeBron Treadwell. Maybe that's just a beautiful thing. That poor soul is actually <laughs> getting a little bit of love. I mean, I remember him in college, and he was a man child in yeah. college. Yeah, he was. And then, and then it just didn't click. And it almost, it was almost for him, it was almost like the worst possible thing that could happen to him at any moment, it happened to him. And, and it just, he never recovered. So I'm actually happy for him to get this opportunity to do this. I don't think having Thielen makes, um, it's not going to make or break whether we win the game or not. I will say, um, the, the, the number one thing that, I, that frustrates me about Vikings fans is, and I say this with uh, tongue-in-cheek, um, 
Yeah, you always want to blame a quarterback, but our stud wide receiver threw a fit at the beginning of the year. He dropped more passes than he needs the league and dropped passes. Just don't don't get a first down and you know start dancing and doing a line dance. Just pick it up. You caught the ball. Good job. That's what you're supposed to do. You paid a ton of money to do it. Um, it drives me nuts. I love Diggs. As a, like I love to have him on my team. But I mean, I think we can all assess if you've played sports long enough. You you have guys on your team that you just you don't like them because you hate to play against them, but you're glad they're on your team. I put Diggs in that category. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. I, Diggs. Diggs has all year, it just drives me nuts. And people who think that, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't this and that, I'm, it drives me crazy. I pay double the salary that we have for him, considering the people that we have in the league playing quarterback. Case in point, our starter could have been the gentleman that we played against today. So life is good in Minnesota land in that respect. Yeah, I think you, that's some interesting. Th- I, you know, the Treadwell thing, I, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, I think – him coming out, I, 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 I don't know. It felt bad is the right way to put it or whatever. But he is a guy that you know things have not gone well. Is you know, and he, I, you know that he has talent and ability, mm-hmm. and you just you, you do want to see a person like that do well. So it's not like I've been unhappy to see him the last few weeks make you know he had the long touchdown in in Seattle or whatever. But um, I, I, I would I would job. I would love to see him become a you know a fixture. It's just that you you don't want him to have to be the answer at this point in time, because when you have Thielen um, coming up, you know, hopefully healthy behind him. Um, mm-hmm. Ethan, Ethan, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think uh, exact. I agree with both of you. Um, it, everything could always be worse, but I think you guys are sitting pretty well. I don't know if I'd uh, necessarily play, um, pay double for anybody that you guys are paying right now, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think things could be a lot worse. It just sucks we're in, we're in such a tough division. The NFC is just loaded. Um, you look at the AFC East and not one winning record, and one of those clowns gets to host a playoff game, and we have to go there. That's just it boggles my mind. Yeah, and uh, I know that they've you know that one of the stories here the last couple of days is people were getting on the league or whatever, and they said no, we're not going to reseed it just based on record, which I understand, and and I think I probably understand. You know that's. You, you do it. You do it for one one year, or whatever, and the next year doesn't work out. It's just you kind of in in bad years like this, you kind of have to stick through it, I guess. And whatever that you know, whoever that six seed is going to be or, or five seed is going to be, congratulations, you get to go to you know Dallas and and win a game. I guess that's just kind of the way that it works out. And there's no there's no perfect answer to anything, I guess. And and so you know to pivot on something immediately just because one team is really you know one division is bad i guess isn't isn't uh probably the way to go okay so um just looking at other nfl uh scores and things like that today i know that right now there's some games still going on um anything that stood out to anybody today you know i know um you know the falcons beating up on the panthers was a little bit surprising it it was awful for me because i have christian mccaffrey on my team and he did terrible today um, the Ravens beating the Bills. I thought that was a great game. Um, we've talked about the Ravens a little bit in the past um, and whether or not they're the best team in the league. I know we had that discussion last week. Um, any other games? I know that I'm going to open it up to Ethan to talk a little bit about the Packers game today. The biggest game, though, and I think we'll come back to this after I talk to Ethan, is about the 49ers and Saints. So, um, you know, we'll get to you, Travis, uh, about that in a sec. But, Ethan, really quick, if you could just give us kind of a rundown of what you saw from your Packers today. 
I absolutely hate when Minnesota does good at all because <laughs> it locks me out of any Packer games here in South Dakota, and it's so frustrating. Um, there's always way to go, you know, around the internet and watch games, but I'm too lazy to do that, so I'll sit down and watch the Vikings game. But for, for the Packers, it was an ugly win. Um, it was another game that we won on the ground, which hasn't happened. You know, this year we've won more games rushing than we have all probably 20 years in, in history. Um, Aaron Jones has done really good. He's making a big attempt at a Pro Bowl for a guy that really was, wasn't a household name a year ago. Um, luckily, Redskins' offense was worse than the Green Bay defense. Um, they came up and they got, a, they got a big pick at the end of the half that really could have let uh, Washington back into that game. Um, minimum a field goal, but the interception kind of shut that down. And then the second half, they just went out and played. Um, Matt LaFleur, first coach in Green Bay to have 10 wins under his belt in the first season uh, in the history of Green Bay, which that's pretty pretty awesome. Um, it eliminated Washington from the playoffs. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> And, and this is the first time Green Bay's had a 10 win season since 2006. Well, had, That's the first time since 2006. Had, or 2016. Going into the day with two wins. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, 2016 was the first last time okay. that Green Bay that won 10 wins. Sorry. Yeah. 2016. So, yeah, it was, it uh, again, no big injuries. So, from that aspect, you have to be happy. We still have a one game, two game, technically a two game lead on Minnesota with a tiebreaker. Um, and then we, you know, we get to play them again. And well, I guess that's the kind of question, Ethan, I'll ask you too, is, is look, watching this all play out. And I think we, we saw for whatever reason, you know, three, four weeks ago, all the way back to when our, we did our first episode, I think for whatever reason, we all kind of saw the writing on the wall that this is, it's going to, is this, is it destined to come down to that one game on the 20, you know, December 23rd between the Vikings and the Packers? Is that what's you see it all coming down to? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I said it four weeks ago that it's going to come down to this, and I think it still very much is going to come down to this. And and that's, I mean, that's the way you want it to be. Yeah. I'd rather yeah. watch this. You know, I, I want to have a chance if I'm Green Bay. The last couple of years, we haven't won the division. We want the North back. So to be back, you know, obviously you want to have a six-game lead on Minnesota or, <laughs> or Chicago and, and be done and, and skirt into the playoffs. Um, but that's not going to happen. But I'm happy to just be back into a dogfight and now seeing both teams have a chance. And I think both teams, whoever wins the division, the, the next one will get in. I think they're probably going to play each other because yeah. Seattle's 10-2. and two, They get they get to go to Dallas. Uh, well, you know, if Dallas even makes it, Philly or Dallas will get that four seed. Right now, right now Seattle is actually the number one seed. Only if they win tonight. If they win tonight, they are. They'll take care of business. It's Russell. <laughs> well, my question then for you, Travis, is, okay, so let's look at the Vikings' schedule. They remain. They go to L.A. for the Chargers. They play the Packers at home and the Bears at home. Is it all going to come down to, to for you? Do you think it's going to come down to that Packer game? And if it does come down to that Packer game for you, how do you see it playing out? Oh, unfortunately, like, looking at the Packers' other two games, like, like, um, you alluded to, they already have the tiebreakers, so the only way that it, I really, my gut feel like it's going to come down to it where, you know, we have a chance to take the division is if we get lucky and they lose leading into that. Um, either way, I I guarantee the Vikings win that game. There's no conceivable way they lose that at home, and if they do, then 
it's it's not worth the season anyway. You can't be Green Bay at that point in the year. Because, like, you guys, what you guys, like, alluded to, you saw it four weeks, five weeks ahead of time. You know, even my son knew this. You know, he was talking about it you know, six weeks ago. We get to watch it before Christmas. It's, it's going to be a cool thing. I think that's the, you know, the real highlight of it is it's, it's just you know where you're going to be. It's going to be a good situation. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, I just hope that, you know, both teams have something to play for at that point, I guess. But I, in the grand scheme of things, I don't really think it's going to matter if we win the division and get home field or not. If, just get into the dang playoffs, and if it works, run the table, do what you got to do. Because, you know, it happens here. Like Dallas, you know, who knows? If they're, if they're hosting a a game, I have no problem going in there and playing them. I don't think, you know, the Packers would have any problems doing that either. I don't think any team would, so... That's a good point. I think we've we've talked about that a little bit before, and that there isn't necessarily one in, one team that's going to you know blow. I think actually last week we talked about it. There isn't one team in the NFC that is going to you, you know is absolutely going to dominate everybody. So maybe it is just kind of a get in get in kind of thing. And, and I think every, every team every team's fans would be that's what they want. They want them to be into that final six teams, obviously. But the fact of the matter is the last six Super Bowl champions had a bye in the first week, you know. So it does say something about that. I don't know if this is going to be a year where that's going to happen, but I think it does, you know, obviously having that first round bye is a huge thing. So I guess if we look – if we look, go ahead, Travis. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, having that, any, any coach – would take it. Any player, anyone would take it to say, okay, you know, hey, you can host a first round game or you can, you know, they would obviously take that week. But there is something to be said. You watch those games unfold in that second division week and the team that is coming in on the road, if they had some serious momentum that game before, it takes that team with that week off, it takes them about just 10 minutes in that first quarter to really get a feel for things because the game is amped up more. There's, it's just a different feel in a whole different world. And they've already had leading into it. New York Giants had two Super Bowl championships uh, with Eli Manning. They were wild cards all the way through, you know, one of them, what they were nine and and six or something like that. Um, I would say, you know, it's not like you can just get in and it's not that crazy and wide open. I I would hate to have to go to Seattle. Yeah, I mean, that just, that terrifies me. I would I would rather go to San Francisco and spot them ten points than go to Seattle and have them spot us ten points. Like I, Seattle is just nightmare. Just them playing them alone is nightmare, but. In yeah, Seattle with yeah. a twelfth man. That's a good. That's a good segue into the next question I was going to ask you, Travis. Is that we watched that game today between the 49ers and the Saints? It was a great game. It was fun. You know, we, we only as if you're watching the game, the Minnesota game, you only got to see the last part of it, which was okay. Uh, but you saw the Saints go down and score that touchdown to take the lead. Um, they made a questionable kind of call with going for two early in the game, and that I think that kind of affected the way things played out in the end because they didn't get it. But yeah. the 49ers went down the field. They had that you know Kittle just did a kiddo thing and just dragged a guy down the field and got a face mask and they kicked the field goal at the end. So that puts the 49ers technically, if, if they're in the one seed now, if Seattle wins tonight uh, against LA, which I think would be really helpful for the Vikings, if they do beat LA tonight, um, yeah. they'll be in the one seat again. But I guess that kind of begs the question. You just mentioned there that you would rather go to San Francisco than to Seattle. And I think I agree with you there. 
but doesn't see doesn't see San Francisco you know score forty eight points, which was kind of their. And see, yeah, and you know that's the thing. But so you alluded to it. Drew Brees comes down. You've seen the movie played out before. There's so much time. They scoot in. Well, any other time you're thinking, okay, who's the quarterback? If it was, you know, Tom, is it Peyton over the years? You're like, oh, that's too much time. I'm yeah. sitting there watching this, and I'm like, oh, Jimmy, it's time to answer. Like, it's, this, <laughs> is, it's like, this is what you get paid for. This is what your job is. That's why the quarterback position is the most single important position in any sport hands down is it more important than a pitcher okay <laughs> um we we do we could probably get an argument about that yeah i, and I think we but you can't pitch every game you just not you're, you're, your body will wear out but if we're uh, talking a one game if we're talking a one game situation one game oh yeah, well, we know that i take you one game over anybody any day all day but in reality i saw something in san francisco Kittle is a just he is an interesting human being. Right? <laughs> yeah, I like him. I like Kittle. He literally like it was it was a it was a seven yard out and they had some, you know, linebacker who looked like pinball going off of him, and then some poor safety slash nickel corner having to tackle him, he like hooked on through his face mask by the elbow and he just carried him. It was unreal what I saw. Like my my uh, 13-year-old son was just going nuts. He thought it was so funny. And what I I knew then that San Francisco, if you look at the last three games San Francisco has played, okay, they went on the road today, obviously, and beat the Saints, which, you know, as going in and beating the Saints is not an easy task. Yes, some teams have done it. Atlanta did it Atlanta you know, did a couple it, yeah. weeks ago. But that's Atlanta. I was going to say, Atlanta's just weird. That's another team like the Chargers. If you could get a reset on them, a couple things go differently earlier in the season. It, it, that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a frustrating thing. Yeah. You, they destroyed the Packers, which was wonderful for us uh, betting community. Um, <laughs> oh, it was just glorious. 109 yards passing. It was beautiful by Aaron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got to get to we're just that we're right at the end of this segment, though. Do you, is there one last thing you kind of want to add to that before I get to Ethan? I would just say straight up, Jimmy made his money today, and he proved that he's worth it. And the 49ers can be confident whether they get home field or they have to go on the road to get to where they need to go. They have all the pieces. They can outscore you. They proved today, and we know their defense is good enough to shut you down if need be. Yeah, definitely. Yep, I, I absolutely agree. Ethan, what do you think? I, I I had San Francisco at four losses already at this point. It didn't happen, and mainly because they put up fifty on Green Bay. And <laughs> Green Bay, uh, a lot of bad things happen. Um, you know, I like you said, Jimmy's earning his money, whether it's carried by that three-headed monster running game that they have um, or George Kittle just carrying guys 40 yards, willing their way to the win. Um, realistically, I don't see anyone but Philly slipping into the playoffs. It's not already in it. Um, the Chargers, I watched, I think, three or four years ago, Phillip Rivers come into Green Bay and break yeah. the passing record. Yeah. Um, and the Packers still beat him. Whether that game could he's flop. such a bad person, though. That's why it's hard oh, to cheer for. Yeah, him. he's yeah. I don't like him. <laughs> kind of like a, a Cutler type. Yeah, guy. kind of. 
Um, oh, leave Jay alone. <laughs> if Jay was playing 50 years ago, he'd be the guy smoking stogies on the sideline. Just, oh, yeah, Maddie yeah. had to be there getting paid. Then marrying MTV stars, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jay, smile. You, you, you rob Chicago of millions of dollars. You, you are not, and you're not as good looking as you think you are and less talented. Like, that dude literally thinks he's the sexiest man walking. He, I swear to God, you watch him. And then in that NFC Championship game, it was just beautiful. <laughs> oh man, God! All right, last last thirty seconds here. Do you have anything, Ethan, before we wrap up the NFL part? I I think the Vikings will probably go two and one in their last three games. The Packers will probably also go two and one. I'm not saying who's beating who, but it'll be an interesting race. Way to put it yourself on the limb there. Nice job. <laughs> All right, we'll we're gonna take a break after the NFL part. We'll come back and uh, we'll uh, talk about the Twins a little bit. Welcome back to maybe next year, episode four, to uh, this second section. We're going to talk a little bit about the Twins. Um, uh, Travis has a couple good things to talk about, too, here with these guys. And then I know Ethan has some things to throw in. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the moves that they've made so far. This week has been a little bit of an interesting week for the Twins um, in that they went ahead and signed Michael Pineda, the the pitcher that probably was their best pitcher in the last, uh, I don't know, third of the year last year before getting – suspended for taking a diuretic, um, got a 60-game suspension, and missed out on the last two weeks of the season in the playoffs. Um, he They signed him to a two-year $20 million deal. He's got 39 games left on his suspension. So you figure, okay, well, he gets back. The Twins now have three of their five that they need for a, a rotation. Um, they did something very untwin-like, and they offered $100 million, it turns out, to Zach Wheeler. Um, and he turned them down for a $118 million five-year deal for the Phillies. It was the most the Twins have ever offered to a free agent. And I, you know, the question, the first question I'll ask here in a second is, um, does that signal some kind of change in their philosophy and the fact that they are, you know, are offering that much to somebody in that position? But, um, you know, after him turning that down, that really kind of opens an odd door into what is their next move going to be? Um, the, the options now, and then reading the trib, uh, Lavelli Neal, the third, who was one of my favorite twins writers, uh, had an article about, well, now without that, is it, is it possible the twins are now looking to make a shift actually to load their offense up more, which I think we thought was kind of an odd thing because, you know, he set the home run record last year with three Oh seven, but is it possible now that they might look to improve on that angle if, if their pitching is not going to do so and you know josh donaldson is a name that came up and we briefly mentioned him last week i think it's a very interesting name um if they were to sign him he's 34 years old he had 259 last year with 37 home runs and 94 rbis for a very good atlanta team and if you were to if they were to look at him and be in the 15 to 20 million dollar year range and if he did that you know you put him obviously at third base where he's a fantastic third baseman uh, and moves Snow to first. The other name there in that same kind of category, I don't think he's in the same category, but he's the third base category. Uh, Todd Frazier uh, hit 251 with 21 home runs and 70, 67 RBIs for the Mets last year. And whether that would be the the next best thing, I guess, to do, I'm going to wait on the, the two main pitching prospects here before I open this up to you guys. And do you think that this $100 million offer um, signifies maybe a change in philosophy? Is that something that they, they want to do going forward? Are there some things that they can do with that kind of money? Um, Travis? 
Well, it's kind of strange because you you alluded to the whole offensive side of the ball, and you know, at, at quick blush, you would be kind of like, well, why? What what do we have? You know, that we don't have coming back. I. I didn't like the way our lineup was constructed. I, as easy as it was, and fun to watch. I think there was different pieces that, you know, look what happened in that if you rely too much on the long ball. Um, my whole thing is, is yeah, that's great. You're, you're showing that you're going to put some money out there. But at the same time, what's that say? If someone's going to turn down that kind of loot from us, that says either they think that they're better than they are or they don't want to come play for us. Um I'm, I'm a big proponent of spending someone else's money, so I'm really good at that. I've done that my whole life. So I, if I were the Twins, I would. I really like that Donaldson idea. That's you know, I it's so outside of what the Twins would usually do. I can't even remember the last time we got somebody of that name. I mean, Josh Willingham. <laughs> shut up. Yeah, that was uh, it. That was the last time they offered that much money. That's it's be like that's crazy to me because yeah he was serviceable but that's Josh Williams who so I think that it would be nice to to do that but in reality what's gonna happen is we're gonna have the same type of things that we've seen there is gonna be no different Paul until that the family gets rid of it it's it's just not. It's, it's just the culture. It's just they're not. We're gonna find ourselves in a must-win game with a great team. We have. We don't give ourselves the best chance to win. Like that's what I felt sickest about this year was that when we got the overdriver starting that game, game I think myself, we we couldn't find somebody. Like we couldn't have picked somebody else up somewhere down the highway. I mean, I know we had a cute season, but dear lord, like. That's the type of stuff that I've come to grow used to as a Twins fan. Um, okay, so you're talking about you're talking about Randy Dobnik starting Game Two of the Yankee series. Yep, and it's it's so unnecessary. Like, I I just I don't. That's the type of stuff that the Twins end up with. Or you know, Joe Nathan gives up a home run in the, the Yankees when we could have gone up two games to nothing and you know beat the Yankees to something silly happens to the twins you're talking about 2004 um, so you got a beautiful memory i can't, I can't <laughs> well i guess then my question then to you then Travis would be okay so if we're going to look at that then and you're saying they don't spend money which i agree with um the options then now at least if we look at this point if they're going to make that b plus kind of splash yeah. i think everybody's kind of assumes that they, they're not going to go after cole or strasburg not that they wouldn't right. want to but I don't, we don't have the money to do that but Okay, so the next tier, and I think it is the only next tier, is Madison Bumgarner and then uh, Ryu from the the Dodgers. And, you know, so Bumgarner is 30 years old. You know, last year he kind of had a bounce back year after an injury year. He was 99 with a 390 ERA, but he threw 207 innings. You know, and his average fastball went up to 93.8, which was higher than it had been in, in, you know, in a few years, actually, which kind of gives you a little bit of indication that he was feeling better. You know, and that's a guy that that won three world titles and is a you know, and in, in San Francisco will always be a legend for what he did in the World Series. Um, you know, so he's a guy that I think I think he's probably the next biggest target for the Twins. And then you also have Ryu, who last year was lights out. I mean, he threw thirty two games. He, had, he was fourteen and five and won the ERA title in the National League with a two point three two ERA. But the reason that his name is not on the same level as Strasburg or Cole 
it's because of his injuries. And he's had some arm injuries along the way. And, you know, so those are kind of the two biggest targets. I think if the Twins don't lock down one of those two, they're going to be in trouble. You know, I do think they are going to be. So if, of, of those two, you know, do you see it possibly, you know, it, the Twins would make a move to those two or at least throw some money at them? We blew our chance of getting Bumgarner last year. Throw the truck at him. You got the team that you wanted for all these years. You finally got it. You know you're going to be in the playoffs. You have the pieces, and now you have a chance to go get a guy with that pedigree, and you don't get it done. Again, Jamie Green, we got a Uber pitcher. Joe Nathan gives a ball run. You don't get it done. Like, it's there's a reason that the teams that win it, they do, because they make that move. Now, do I think that Bumgarner is worth – it depends the type of money we're talking because he's going. I'll say the same hundred million dollar five year deal. I don't think he's going to five probably about a three year deal. So you see, yeah, I think I think if you can go three with him and juice it up a bit, that'd be fine. But to invest five years in him, he hasn't been right since he did that absolute Corey Foster generation shutdown of in the World Series. That was just gnarly. Um, you know, all of that hard you hasn't been the same. He. Uh, his career get back on track, but I think that if you're gonna go, I would go um, Bumgarner. But it's it kind of it is a little too too little too late. Um, it, it's just I'm I'm a cynical Twins fan. Unfortunately, they've broken my heart too many times, and I lost a lot of money on them once or twice. But the thing is, is that until they make that move and really do it, I'm not even going to entertain the thought, oh, that's cute. Yep, they're going to talk to him. But we're going to have to, like, dump an extra. Would you rather take $90 million and play for the Yankees, or would you take 120 to play for the Twins? 120 well, to play for the Twins. Money, I'm going to go play with the Yankees. <clears throat> Sorry. I don't. I think it's a personality thing, because I think if you don't want to live under those bright lights, that it is something you would look at doing, you know, and – Talk about Ryu, he, he's the kind of, a, you know, being from South Korea, possibly somebody that would want to stay on the West Coast, too, and talking about that. But if you're not going to go, okay, so if Bungarner and Ryu don't work out, if that's something that, you know, somebody else during these winning, you know, winter meetings goes and gives them a better pitch or whatever, then the next group, you, you're looking at Homer Bailey, Tanner Rorick, Dallas Keuchel, Wade Miley, Brett Anderson, and Ivan Nova. I mean, that's not, those aren't names that are going to, you know, pop at anybody and they're not going to make anybody feel really juiced up about the next year but 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 Corey, what's the difference than than getting those guys that's exactly what we'll do that's exactly the moves we make at the trade deadline and that's the exact move we will make now we will get those guys we'll get a rick reed at the trade deadline you know and he's pitched a great season all these different little pieces we'll get that guy in hopes that he has a cute little story and it's I wouldn't mind Dallas Keuchel. Take a shot on a left-handed guy, a former uh, stud like that. Why not? Um, well, I think you're in a kind of a, a, a risky area, though, because I think that this, this this group now, you know, with Levine and Thea, I think that they're a different kind of front office, and I think that's one of the reasons that we made the jump to 102 wins because they are a different front office. They, they look at different things, you know, analy- yeah. analytically or whatever it might be, because then if you – okay, so if you're going to look at that second group of people – then all of a sudden you're opening up to, okay, well, are any of them better than Devin Smeltzer or Randy Dominic or Lewis Thorpe? You know, do you go after them? Is that is it worth that? And I don't know if that front office will think about, you know, think that any of those names are better. 
Um, you know, so I guess the wild card when you look at all of that is, uh, you know, Bruce Star Gratterall because he he's I think he's going to be the wild card when it comes down to all of it. Are you going to make this, you know, 21 year old stud who came in last year and threw 103 miles an hour or whatever and, and made people look silly, had it had a good couple good outings, had a couple bad outings at the end of the year, looked OK, looked comfortable um, in the playoffs when he had his one appearance. Um, he, he's been a starter up until this year when they tried to, you know, to bring him up and to put him in and in, in reliever role just because they wanted to use him in his arm. But if, if he's, if you think legitimately, he's going to be a person that's going to be a starting pitcher that puts you at four out of five now. Okay. So do you look then for that one guy like Bumgarner or Rio, or do you try and think that I'm going to fill this stuff within? I think most twins fans are worried that, yeah, they're going to do the twin thing and try and fill it within instead of going out and spending money. Um, and, and I think that then if you're going to, you know, push that aside, the next possible viable option is to look at trades. And there aren't a lot of things out there. You know, Boston might try and unload somebody like David Price, who has, you know, he's owed $32 million a year till 2022. Chris Sale is owed $30 million a year till 2023. Or Ivaldi, who's owed $17 million till 2022. Or you look at possible trade targets like, say, Chris Archer in Pittsburgh or Blake Snell in Tampa Bay. But I think if we're looking at it from a logist, you know, like a logistics standpoint or from a legitimate Twins fan standpoint, it's probably, you're probably going to get one, you know, one of those things that we've just mentioned. So if it's going to be one of those things that we just mentioned, what would you like to have? Uh, I mean, give me give me the proven Madison Bumgarner if you can make it happen. Give me somebody that is um, that has proven it, and then at the very least, he can show the some of the younger talent. If we do have young talent, um, I, I truly believe we've got some pieces there that can make it work. So hopefully, we can make uh, make that move, and he can do some good things for them down the stretch. I think personally, you got to go after Bumgarner. Ryu or something, you got to get yourself a big name, and then you know you can fill that last spot uh, as needed. And you can always work as you go. You know, you get to the middle of the season or first third of the season, you see what's not working, what's working. Then you know you don't have to go out there and spend two hundred million dollars and hope it works. And you know, try something out. Go, but I think it's the same way that we talked like with the Timberwolves. They're gonna have to get a big name to do anything soon. The Twins are light years ahead right now where the Timberwolves are at. Um, they they can make a run, you know. They can they can they can win a lot of games as they've shown. But you're you're gonna have to go get your name to compete with the Yankees, and the Yankees do it by spending money. I, I think that it, as a Twins fan, I think it goes. You know, if you want to sell tickets, I mean, you got to have some money rolling around now after last year, after the attendance that they jump that they saw the last half of the year and things like that. I know that Travis, you have a, you're probably as anti-pull-out as I am when it comes to some of those things and then being the richest owners in baseball and not wanting to shell out for a lot of that stuff. And I remember when Target Field was built 10 years ago, that was kind of the big thing is, okay, we're going to have this new field. We're going to make more money. We'll spend more money, therefore, on players. And I don't think we've seen that necessarily, at least to the degree that most Twins fans would like to. Um so I guess that leads us into the next part then. The other move that the Twins made this this week is they signed Alex Avila um, to a one-year $4.25 million contract to be Mitch Garver's backup as catcher. So basically that means that uh, Castro is gone now. Um, and I think Avila has led to a lot of 
interesting speculation among Twins fans um, about whether he's a legitimate backup um, or somebody that can kind of do some of the things that Castro did. Not that Castro was necessarily an all-star for the Twins at any point. He wasn't, but last year, Vila slash 207, 353, 421. Um, you know, the average isn't high, but the on-base percentage at 353 is okay for a catcher. He's left-handed as opposed to Garber, who's right-handed. You know, last year, Garber and Castro basically split duties, uh, innings behind the plate. Um, so I guess whether or not you see Avila as somebody that can split, I don't think that he's ever going to split half and half with Garber based on Garber's, you know, offensive prowess. But um, I know that a lot of people thought, well, you know, maybe Garber was, you know, successful as he was because he wasn't catching as many innings behind the plate. So um, if they're going to split, if that's something that's possible, Avila and Garber to split behind the plate, then do you move Garber to play first base or to DH in those games that he's not playing behind the plate? Um, and then whether or not you see Asadio as a factor in that, and I don't know. You know, we've talked about Asadio before on this show, and the fact that I don't, you know, personally see him as a, a regular piece of a really competitive team. But um, you know, I guess, what are your thoughts at least when you look at Avila, Travis, and and do you see him being a major factor? You know, I, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It all depends on what we think we can get with Garver and what we want to do with them. Um, Avila has been one of those guys that um, can be productive and, and be serviceable. I mean, it's not like, again, the move doesn't shock me. That's almost like a yep standard. Um, I, I love what Mitch did behind the plate. Do I think that it can he do that again? I don't know. Um, his numbers were absolutely ridiculous for a stretch there where he was hitting the home run like every other at bat. So um, I, I, don't, I don't mind the move one bit. I, Austin Deal is a great person to have on that side of things. I love a guy like that on the team. You, you, he's going to play hard. He's not going to, he's not going to lose a game for you. Even if he's playing right field and he, can't get to a ball because you know whatever reason i that's the type of guy that you want to keep on your keep on your roster that's for sure so i mean the move itself i was actually before this was all brought up i was looking at it because i hadn't heard about uh avila signing or anything so i was actually looking through and i was uh i it just the same same reaction i got it's like yeah that seems about standard for us it seems about a Twins move. It does, and I think that a lot of people thought that too. Like, you know, mediocre, and maybe he can come here and learn some things and have a decent year or whatever. But he hasn't really had a great year since fourteen, I think, in in Detroit. Um, I didn't know his dad. His is his dad or his grandpa is the the GM in Detroit. Um, but is it, any, it, is it his? I thought it was his uh, father-in-law or something like that. I don't yeah. think it's directly him. Say that. Yes. Either way, it'd be nice to have a, a dad as a GM in the major leagues. But so I guess the the, the last question then the, the twins that we'll pose before we move on is um, considering everything we've talked about, do you look at trading somebody? I know Eddie, Eddie Rosario. It, it, twins Twitter is fun to say the least. If you are on Twins Twitter and follow a lot of those guys, but Eddie Rosario is a name that comes over and over and over again about being a trade target because you know he hit. Had a great year in the fact that he hit 32 home runs, had 109 RBIs, 
which looks great on paper, but he had a 300 on base percentage and did a lot of, you know, made some mistakes in the outfield that he hasn't done in the past either. So it feels like a lot of twins Twitter thinks that he's expendable when it comes to things like that. And you have Alex Kirloff behind him coming up possibly, you know, so do you use him as a chip then to, to look at if we're, you know, we go back to looking at Boston and price and sale and Evaldi and then possibly Blake Snell or Archer. Um, is he somebody that you think legitimately you could use in those pieces? Like I, I would love to see a move like that. Now, I'm not so gung ho. Most people who read Twitter or whatever, they heard that on ESPN at eight in the morning or something. That oh, Rosario, they got that ship. He's a name, like he's star power for our team. Um, it's a uh, you can't really lose either way. You keep him, you're gonna, you know what you're gonna get out of him. He might actually, you know, be a little more disciplined and you know that on base percentage might climb a little bit. Um, the strikeouts will still always be there. That's just in the swing, but um, you can't go wrong. You could definitely use him as a trade piece. Hell, I'd say I put him and Sano in a package right now and just say here, offer me, please. Um, you, you Sano, you would put Sano in that, huh? All day, every day. Okay. Um, the, the guy, I'm tired of throwing throw, throw Byron Buxton, too. I mean, like, the whole, <laughs> I'm tired, I'm tired of, it, it reminds me of uh, Crosby. Remember Bubba Crosby? Or no, it wasn't, it's just Bubba Crosby. Because he, Peter Gammon picked him to be the MVP of Major League Baseball. He played for the Athletics. Remember that? He was a shortstop. And he just and he never amounted anything. I'm tired for the last I feel like the last ten years. Puns got this prospect and you know, he's the number one rated for three years, and then he drops to four. It's like you either got a player or you can't. And then yeah, they get here and are they good baseball players? Sure, they have their moments, but are they what you want? Because obviously if you're thinking about trading them or if you've had that inner dialogue with yourself, then you really, then they're not worth what they would, um, what they've been projected, or you know, they're expendable in a lot of ways. I really, to me, the, there's really only a couple of guys on the Twins that I wouldn't, uh, that I wouldn't trade. Um, everyone else would be pretty much free game. If you want someone, make me an offer. But that's just the way that I would do things. Um, I, I don't think I, I would rather get rid of Sinol than Rosario. Rosario's too much of a fan favorite and just a star. So, okay, well, that's an interesting take. I, 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 you know, I think in today's modern MLB, I don't know if there's a lot of names in any team that are really, when it comes down to it, unexpendable or at least untradeable. So, definitely something to think about. All right, we're going to wrap up that twin section. We're going to come back here in a minute and talk uh, with the short, hopefully short, gopher section about their uh, bowl eligibility here. All right, we're back on uh, maybe next year here, episode four. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Gophers football team. And uh, today or tonight, um, it was released that their bowl game is going to be the Outback Bowl in Tampa on January 1st at noon. And they're going to play number 12 Auburn, a 93 team out of the SEC. And I think considering everything that we've, you know, we've dealt with the Gophers a lot over the first three weeks as as they were, you know, a pretty legitimate story. I think talking to Gopher fans and other people, I think this is probably a, a pretty decent bowl landing spot. I think most people were happy with this, at least with the matchup. 
um, and worrying about whether they were going to get somebody like Tennessee or A&M or somebody like that. I think to see a matchup with Auburn is a, is a positive, you know, and I know we talked about last week a little bit and the fact that the more legitimate the Gophers opponent was, the better it was going to be for them in the long haul, uh, whether it come out with a win or a loss. So um, the Gophers had never played Auburn before. This is their first ever Outback appearance. Um, I think probably this was the best matchup they were going to get outside of maybe in Alabama, which I think was probably the other option. Um, and I think football, you know, Auburn beat Alabama, and I think that that probably gives a little bit more legitimacy, but I think it would have been fun to see Alabama either way just because it's Alabama. But this is only the second ever New Year's Day Bowl that they the Gophers have been in since the 1962 Rose Bowl. So it is a big deal. You know, it's, it's fun. Uh, to be talking about something like this, I know that it, there's a lot of disappointment, obviously, when, with the loss to Wisconsin and, and the, the basically the, we knew that they weren't going to be playing a Rose Bowl after that as Wisconsin got that got that spot today. Um, the only other New Year's Day Bowl they played in since 62 was the 2015 Citrus Bowl where they lost to Mizzou 33-17. Uh, to 17. And I don't think people remember that a whole lot. Um, it was an 8-4 and four year. You know, it was it was a for the Gophers at that time was a decent year, but I think this is a different outlook. At least I think people see a 10 and two Gopher team is a lot more legitimate in playing a team like Auburn uh, being an SEC team. So I think that that there'll definitely be a little bit more excitement and things around that. I think you'll have a larger Gopher contingency there that day to watch the game, hopefully at least. And um, you know, and I don't know. And I'll ask you, Ethan, first kind of what you think about it, whether you think I, I, I feel good. I, at least looking at it on paper, you know, an 18, number 18 ranked Gopher team against the number 12 Auburn team on a New Year's Day uh, at noon on ESPN. I think that that's something that I think will be helpful to them, at least recruiting wise, when they look forward to things. Um, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, what do you think? You think it's a good spot for them? Absolutely. Um, it gives them, like I said, the more that the more success that they have, the better they're going to be in the future. And we talked about the last couple of weeks. Um and then, like you said, getting getting Auburn with what they've done, it gives Minnesota a chance to kind of solidify everything that they've done this year. You know, they the loss to Iowa and the loss was to Wisconsin, two of the last three games that they had. It's, it's this this would be a huge pick me up, a New Year's Day bowl, which I get noon isn't a primetime game, but everybody that loves college football, their TV's on from noon to night uh, on New Year's Day, so they'll get plenty of uh, views, um, potential recruits, all this stuff. It's only going to be helping Minnesota. And uh, you know, I, I don't see any reason why they can't go out there and compete with Auburn and win that game at all. So, um, no, it, it's really good for them. It's too bad they couldn't find themselves in the Rose Bowl. Um, Wisconsin just about took Ohio State out of that two spot for uh, the football playoffs with a back-and-forth game. But, um, you know, you, you just, it's hard to think, what if? What if we beat Wisconsin? What if we didn't lose to Iowa? Games like that. Um, what if we got our chance against Ohio State? Um, but it, it is what it is, and it's just time to put your head down and get this last win and then just kind of look forward to uh, working on this from every next year now. So, yeah, absolutely. Travis, what do you think about this game, now, Bad Bowl? It's a wonderful thing for uh, Minnesota sports fans. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not a Gopher fan, football fan at all. Um, 
I actually love making fun of the Big Ten, but uh, hats off to uh, the Gophers. I mean, beautiful. They did what they what PJ Fleck like the Penn State game was the game that he had to win. Since he did everything after that was gravy. You know, when you when you get to a coach and you build that step, that was huge for them. So I think that it will give recruits a chance to see how they play against the SEC and the big boys. Auburn's the best three-loss team in the world. Um, their losses are to legit powerhouses. And, you know, it just proves that college football, to me, is one of the most fun things to watch because every week is playoffs. And I will say that I actually enjoyed watching the Gophers football this season. And I, I haven't done that since uh, – I knew a guy who was the offensive lineman uh, <laughs> we went to school with. So I uh, I think it's a wonderful thing for uh, the program and Coach Fleck, and I know a lot of people are excited. I know Mahler's the Debbie Downer and, and around that area of home. So, well, I think I'll uh, just clarify that you were talking the we kid that we graduated high school at the Northfield, uh, Sederstrom, was an offensive lineman for the Gophers in the early 2000s and was part of those teams with Lawrence Maroney and um, who was the other back? Marion Marion Barber. Marion Barber. We had two NFL running backs in, in a best offensive line in the country, and we couldn't beat Ohio State. No, and so yeah, that's but it's a good reference, though I think because that was really the last time that there was a what you felt like was maybe a legitimate Gopher team. So um, okay, so you love I, we know you love college football, we know you love the SEC. So what do you think about this Final Four? You got LSU against Oklahoma and Ohio oh, State oh. against Clemson. Um, how do you see that playing out? It's a bummer in my house because uh, I, we have LSU and Oklahoma. We love uh, just – I've always loved Oklahoma and their coach, Lincoln Riley. My son's name is Lincoln, so he loves them now, So, which is beautiful. LSU is the best team in the world. If they didn't get the number one seed, I would have boycotted um, just out of uh, sheer you know, arrogance, I'd say, out of the SEC. But I think no one wanted to play Clemson. Clemson is scary because – the one game that they, you know, they maybe should have, could have lost. Um, and North Carolina showed some things, but they have destroyed everybody. But they don't play anybody. LSU has played Ohio State like three times this year, just different places. Um, it's just the quality of the competition that LSU plays, and they have Joe Burrow. He's going to win the Heisman. And it's beautiful because he wasn't good enough to play at Ohio State. So part of me wishes that it's going to be an LSU-Ohio State final and Joey caps off the Heisman and his senior year with a uh, with a national championship. I pretty much predict, I know that Oklahoma can't stop LSU. Coin flip, I mean, Clemson's favored two against Ohio State. I'll go Ohio State just to be a homer one time and then because I like the story with uh, Burroughs beating his old team that he transferred from. Ethan, what do you think about the Final Four? I, 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 you know, I went back and forth when I first uh, listened to it. I listened to it on uh, XM Radio when they unveiled it. And Oklahoma, you know, they've had so many close games. My initial thought was, how do you put Oklahoma in here? Um, right away, I was thinking Georgia should be in. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, no, that's a typical college football playoff move is, oh, let's – shade the one last team and put in an SEC team. I don't I don't like the SEC. I don't I don't like the reputation. <laughs> so we're a little bit different on that. 
but I, I don't know. I'd like to see a wild card game between Oklahoma and Georgia just to see who would be in. But I, I after I, I started thinking about it, I said, yeah, Oklahoma's the right spot for that fourth seed. I don't like Clemson at three because they're the undefeated defending national champions. I agree with you, but that last year is supposed to go no into any of that. It's not supposed to have any bearing on it. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I don't, I don't think they should have been number one. I think LSU is the better team. They are in the better conference. Um, I, I think Clemson did deserve the two seed, and it's not like there's home field advantage per se. You know, Clemson's not going to get a host. They're not going to have to go to Ohio State. So really, it doesn't matter. They're gonna. I think, in my view, they would have played the same game in the same place anyway. Um, yep. Clemson, I guess, just has another chip on their shoulder that um, the ACC used to be good when Florida State, Jameis Winston, um, North Carolina, you know, was putting up ten win seasons. Duke was bull eligible two years ago. Um, yeah, there was what a, happened there? Good call. <laughs> there was a lot of good teams in the ACC, and they've kind of fallen off the map. And I think. Teams like Clemson. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. But at the end of the day, they're still a power five, and I think they're still respecting it, and they were still – it's whatever. Ohio State, yep, they did. They had to beat Wisconsin. They were – it's – I'm okay with it. It wouldn't have looked the same way, per se, with me in charge of it, but that's why I'm sitting here on a podcast in Columbus, South Dakota, and not in the college football selection committee. I want to ask one of you guys this because the word, and it's funny, the word was safe. They picked safe teams. Like, it, it's what they said the consensus wanted. People, they can't find a way really to argue with it. Like like you said, you could find a Georgia-Oklahoma. If they played a game, who would win? I would bet on Georgia. Yep. Because Oklahoma's defense can't stop anybody. Um, but they but, score 90 points a game. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Um, I like that. That just goes for another thing. I'd rather have six teams make it and have one and two by. Um, that's the way I would do it. It's more money for the BCS, so they'll 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 make it happen later on for college football. <clears throat> we're stuck with what we're stuck with. It is what it is. I, yeah, and I, like you said, I think you saying it was a safe pick probably was the right way. I don't think I don't think there's anybody that really outside of somebody that lived in Georgia that would have said something differently. I, I mean, I guess that they did what they had to do. So this is the easiest but, year. Of what? Six yeah, years. for for quite a while. Because actually. if you open it up to six teams or eight teams, now you're in a funk. Yeah, you have so many been, options. It could have been a gong show had Georgia won, and then let's just say Wisconsin pulled it off. That would have been interesting to see how far Ohio State drops, and you go Georgia now, and do you take LSU out? You know, like, if that game would have went that way, it would have been really interesting. So I'm sure they're breathing a sigh of relief. Yeah, they're definitely – I thought the same thing, too, that they were, you know, breathing a sigh of relief the way it played out. So, all right, that's it for our college football section. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back really quick with the Wolves. All right, we're back on uh, maybe next year. We're going to talk really quickly here about the the Wolves, just so I think they're worth mentioning after watching a, a game the other night here that the Wolves had on Thursday night. It uh, was one of the most insane endings to a basketball game I've seen, you know, whether you out there saw it or not. But, um, you know, the 10 and 10 Wolves, who are surprising to say the least, I, I, I don't think there's anywhere else to put it. I don't think anybody would – there's no way I would have said they would have been 10 and 10 after 20 games you would have asked me before the season. But um, they were playing in Oklahoma City. And had their had it, I, I, 
there's really no other to say. They had it wrapped up. It was over. Um, <clears throat> they were uh, cat. Uh, Anthony Towns was shooting a, a free throw to go up by two. There was 1.1 seconds left. Um, the Wolves checked in Jordan Bell, and Chris Paul saw him walk out with his shirt untucked and yelled to the ref and said, that's a, that's a delay of game right there. And the ref saw it and called a delay of game. And so um, they went back down on the other end, and Gallinari hit a free throw to make it a one-point game. Still, one point one seconds left. They don't have any timeouts left. All you, you know, it doesn't. It's okay. That, that's it's not the end of the world. Uh, Towns was supposed to miss the free throw to make them have to grab a rebound and fling it the length of the court for in a second, and uh, it rattled around, and he made it <laughs> on accident. Made the free throw, and uh, um, Stephen Adams grabs the ball out of the the out of the basket and uh, with one hand chucks it the length of the uh, hail Mary all the way down. Uh, Dennis Schroeder catches the ball. He pushes off against Jeff Teague and grabs the ball and throws it up and makes a layup uh, kind of an off balance. It wasn't a layup layup. It was kind of an off center layup or whatever and ties the game as the buzzer goes and watching the game. It was first off. It was completely unbelievable. I, I don't know. Why I was still watching. I was going to turn it off because it was over and to see that happen was just shocking. And, and you, I honestly, as a Minnesota sports fan or whoever said, well, they're going to lose in overtime. <laughs> There's no way they're going to win this game in overtime now. And sure enough, they got blown out. It was ended up 139 to 127 in overtime. But um, the only reason I bring it up is because I think it was just surreal to watch it happen, but uh, not the least of which is because I, I look at this team. The, the Wolves are now ten and eleven, but they're still in the they're still in the seven seed in the in the West, which is incredible in itself. Now what? Yeah, it, it feels like the West has turned into the East a little bit in that sense. But um, you know, the question I guess I'll pose to you guys quickly or whatever once I give a rundown of where they're at. But um, right now, the way they sit after twenty one games, Towns is leading the way with twenty six points a game and and twelve rebounds and four and four and a half assists, which is Towns things, you know, I don't think anybody's surprised by that, but Andrew Wiggins is averaging almost 25 points a game and uh, with five rebounds and 3.4 assists, which is incredible. I, I think um, it shouldn't be incredible. I think that should be kind of a, a regular everyday run of the mill. That's Andrew Wiggins kind of thing, but I think it is incredible to most Wolves fans to see him playing the way he's been playing. And we've, we talked about really early on in the first episode or two. I don't think we've really covered it since then, but he's been playing really well. Um, and then the drop off from there is unreal. You know, you go all the way down to Jeff Teague, who he's at 13 points a game, and uh, Covington's at 12.8. And then you go all the way down to Layman, Jake Layman, who I'm guessing most Wolves fans, if you haven't been watching, probably don't even know who he is really. Three point specialist. He's played only in 14 of the 21 games. But, um, and then you have Jared Culver, who's the only one that's played in all 21 games, the rookie. And then Josh Akoe, who's my favorite. Uh, he's at 8.9 or 8.6. And, you know, so it isn't, it's kind of a front loaded thing with the Wolves. And I think the question that most people ask is, well, this is, is this in the long run, can they stay there? Can they stay in the seven, eight seed, you know, season long or whatever? And looking at what happened the other night and now tonight at 830, they haven't started yet, but they're going to play the Lakers tonight, the 20 and three Lakers. And I think most Minnesota sports fans probably know how that's going to play out. But um, the question I'll pose to both of you two is, is, is this, was that loss so deflating? Is there, I mean, or is it something that the Wolves can withstand and you still think stick with it and, and still possibly be a playoff team, you know, come May? Go yeah, ab absolutely. I think, I think they can be. 
Um, I think they're going to absolutely get blown out tonight. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's something that they're going to rebound back uh, quite this early to. I think if they're going to have a game where they're just going to lay down and be sad and, and, and be like, well, we're Minnesota, it's going to be this game, and this will be the best game to do it. Because if you're going to go lose, you might as well lose to the 20-3 and three Lakers and get blown out by 100 and turn around and say, okay, well, let's start fresh right now. Um, can they make the playoff run? If they sustain this and they go get a big name, for what they've done with the injuries, I don't have totals or anything wrote down. I know Towns is fighting a knee injury. Teague's fighting ankle injuries. Uh, Napier has a hamstring issue, which if you're a professional athlete, hamstring is the worst thing that you can do. Um, Wiggins battling with a, uh, something with his thumb. You know, to do this, and obviously with as long as the NBA season is, you're going to have injuries. Um, but I think with sitting in the West, they have a shot just because pretty much from about five seed down to maybe the 13th seed, it's just kind of a, a cluster. And it's going to be who can who can keep – being on an average pace for the longest. It's not going to be who's going to be better. It's who can sustain it, like you said. Um, I think Towns and Wiggins are going to have to continue to play at a high rate if they can't have a decrease because the team will – they'll feel it. Um, I still am not against them going and getting somebody um, veteran like a J.J. Redick or somebody like that that can that can lead them with, with the years that they've been in the league while still being – um, scoring and doing all everything, um, but yeah, I I think they'll be in the playoffs. Now, whether they're sitting seven or eight and they you know get blown out in the first round, I don't know. But you gotta start someplace. Yeah, Travis, what do you think? Um, oh, eighty-two game season in the NBA. Um, they don't really care whether they win or lose half the time. <laughs> the NBA, it's, a, it's a fourth quarter game. Um, I will say Wiggins, um, he was really angry of not being listed as a top 100 player before the season started, and he, uh, justifiably showed why. Um, it's kind of weird, like you said, it's, it's nice to see as a fan, and, but those are things that he should be able to wake up and do, and that was the knock on him, and I don't know if it's a little, too little, too late, but, um, you know, and then he even alluded to it with Cat, like, are you surprised at those numbers? No. But where's that next step of just kind of being a freak that, you know, Anthony Davis made that leap. It wasn't now he's with the Lakers that he made it. He made that leap as before he left New Orleans, that he was on another level. And Cat still hasn't got there, in my opinion. The sad part is that we got those two guys and then, yeah, the drop-off. Jeff Key, and he was playing uh, – I think his rookie year was when I was still in high school, I feel like. But, um, yeah, if you, the NBA playoffs, it, nothing really matters until usually uh, after Christmas. Um, but if you can make the playoffs, and usually if you can make the playoffs in the East, you know, if you're breathing, you make it. Um, but, yeah, what, are you going to be a 7 or 8 seed and play either the Clippers or the Lakers or maybe the Nuggets or something and then, you know, have – two home games and that's about it and be done. So I don't think, you know, you know, you got to do start somewhere, but we're, we're not deep enough and we don't have 
our our stars, yes, we have one in Towns, and then we have like the that middle range with Wiggins, but we're we're a few pieces away, and unfortunately, we got unlucky in this year's draft. I, if we could have gotten a a better pick, things could have worked out. So. Yeah, I, I with that your your correlation about the NBA being a uh, wait till the fourth quarter and then wait until January kind of thing, I think is accurate. So I I, I guess coming back and looking at this a, a little bit later in the season might might be a little bit clearer. So um, all right, uh, we'll wrap that up with the Wolves and come back with our final thoughts. Welcome back to maybe next year. We're going to finish up our show, our episode four here tonight with our bold predictions for the week. And uh, Ethan's going to lead us off. <laughs> Go ahead. I regrettably say my last bold prediction. I wasn't on last week, but two weeks ago, I was. I said the Timberwolves, and I'm going to stick with the Timberwolves. I said they'd go 5-0 and in their next five games. Two and three? They, they, they went two and three? Two and three. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Timberwolves. Uh, tonight... <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I, I wasn't real confident in what I wanted to boldly predict, but um, I think I'm going to say the Timberwolves are going to push this to an under 10-point game with L.A. tonight. Okay. You know, I, I just said if they're going to lay down and lay an egg, it's going to be tonight. I'm going to boldly predict a nine-point or less loss by Timberwolves in L.A., I hope LeBron tears his knee out. That's, a, <laughs> that's an extra bold prediction. <laughs> Travis, what do you got? Jeepers. Um, I will say this is just uh, the New York football giants. And going back to old Eli, who's been sitting around and looking, he can't read his expression. I think he puts a nail in that season for the Eagles as a, nine-and-a-half-point dog going in tomorrow's game. Um, my bold prediction is go ahead and take the Giants' money line and hammer it hard. Wow. That's my win. Not bad. That's a, That is definitely a bold prediction. Um, my bold prediction is that uh, the Vikings go in and they beat the Chargers. And I, I haven't had any really positive Vikings bold predictions. <laughs> I predicted last week that the Vikings would have a seven-point game with the with the Lions tonight, my bold prediction is that the the Vikings will beat the Chargers by 14 or more on Sunday. So, I guess we'll. Yeah, I know it's a bold prediction. <laughs> well, you're, you're gonna take them. All right. Well, that's what I got. I guess. Um, all right. That's all we got for tonight. Uh, Travis, thanks so much for joining us. Good. Uh, it's wonderful. It's great talking to you. Ethan, nice hearing from you and meeting you. I appreciate you guys doing a wonderful job. This is uh, seriously very, very much all my pleasures. We hope to have you, you back. Me. You were a good time. Yeah, thanks a lot for, for joining us. And thanks, Ethan, and thanks everybody else for listening to us. Be sure to check us out on Spotify. Have a good night.